Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, hello. This is Susan Pinckney, your host of The Southern Bell of Beverly Hills on the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? This week's episode, Party Politics. I was thinking back to how and why my life took all the different twisty turns that it took and how I got here. How did you get here? Okay, I had to do it. Isn't there a Deborah Cox challenge? Anyway, I realized that originally, even before A Different World, which shout out to A Different World, my goodness, I always was fascinated with historically black colleges and universities. Granted, there's so many of them on the East Coast, especially in Virginia, North Carolina. So I have always been fascinated, attracted to, intrigued by historically black colleges and universities. I didn't have that vernacular then. I think I might've called it black college. It was something about the CIAA tournaments and how it was a fashion show, literally a fashion show. Women wore fur coats. I mean, this is years and years ago, but they wore fur coats to basketball games and like whatever the latest, most designer sought after wardrobe was, they were wearing it to the college basketball games. Also, you had your fraternities and sororities with their step shows and all of the things that you think of when you think of black colleges, plus the fact that you think about it being a safe place for kids to go to school and just kind of forget that, you know, other things exist outside of college, like racism or things that, things that kids shouldn't have to deal with. It would be nice to go to this like utopian world where inside of the walls of the campus, you have people who embrace culture, all kinds of culture. And most historically black colleges and universities, yes, of course, they are predominantly black or people of some type of African descent, but there's all different types of students at these schools. And I was so fascinated with them. And I remember having a meeting with my counselor and I told her that I was considering both Hampton University and Howard University. And she said to me, you're too smart for that. To this day, I don't know what she meant. I've thought about it and I've speculated what she meant by that statement, but I did not follow up. And to be fair to her, I can't put my projection on what she meant because I never asked a follow-up question. I just accepted what she was saying as an authority figure to be true. And I did not initially apply to any predominantly black colleges or universities. Instead, I applied to quote unquote white schools in my area. 
So James Madison was my number one and I got in and I went. So at JMU, I found myself really seeking out the black experience. I went to a predominantly white university in the middle of Shenandoah Valley. Google it. It's in the middle of dairy farms and it's very close to West Virginia. It's just, it was a very isolated, rural white area. But I sought out the black experience. I gravitated to any of the clubs or anything that had anything to do with culture. I read books like the autobiography of Malcolm X, which I got my preferred reading list from a very good friend of mine who actually went to Hampton University and received a reading list of books that all young people should read. And he shared that list with me and I purchased every single book on the list and read them all. So I was trying to learn more about the black experience while going to a predominantly white university. And there were a a thousand black kids in a school of about 10,000 or so. So we were 10% and we had a bond, a community. We had all the experiences, well, not all, but we tried to have the experiences that the kids at the predominantly black colleges and universities would have. My first year, there was a huge election in the state of Virginia and the first openly black man to run for Virginia governor, Douglas Wilder, won the election. I say openly black because there's been stories and rumors and probably so, I mean, it is the South. How do you really know if someone doesn't tell you or if it's not visually obvious? So he was the first, shout out to Don Lemon, first openly black man (laughs) to be the governor of the state of Virginia. And I was thoroughly involved in that whole political process. I remember putting up signs, not only around our campus, but around our town. I remember registering people. I was all in. It was something about being able to identify with having a governor who had similar experiences or a governor who would understand our experience and help change or sway Virginia's laws and politics to be more inclusive and equal. And I think that's what people are afraid of these days. They're afraid that, oh, they want to quote unquote take over. It's not that. We, everyone wants to be seen as a 100% whole human being with the same rights and equalities as everyone else. Not 80% human being, not 75% human being, a 100% whole human person. So people would be equally outraged when a black child dies versus a white child dying. To backtrack and to take it back to high school for just one second, I would have to shout out my high school senior government teacher, Miss Monroe. She was what you would picture a redneck woman to be. She had the hairstyle. She was rough and tough. She drove an SS Monte Carlo and she talked about how all of her cars were those SS Monte Carlos. But in our classroom in government class, she taught us about laws, how to change them, 
what each one of us in that classroom had a responsibility to do. I really didn't realize at the time how influential she was in my life. I looked forward to going to her class. It was probably the highlight going to her class every day and hearing her make government real for me. So going back to college, I took all of that energy and invested it in Douglas Wilder's campaign as best that I could. Of course he won and it felt like a win for me. Just knowing that someone who was not against me, someone who could think the way that I think was in office, it was a wonderful feeling and something that we all took pride in. And it was nice years later when I was at one of those Norfolk State Universities, another black college, when I was at their fundraiser that was thrown by Tim Reed from WKRP in Cincinnati and Sister Sister, at the fundraiser, I was surprised to meet Mr. Douglas Wilder himself. I took a picture. It's a horrible picture. I mean, he looks amazing, of course. Shout out to that, Daddy. Think about it. You've got some great photos on your phone, but what are you doing with them? You've got to get free prints. Free prints is one of the world's favorite apps. Download it now at freeprints.com and start enjoying real professional quality free prints. No subscriptions, no commitments, just free prints. Again, go to freeprints.com and get the app and your 1,000 free prints. But he looked amazing. I was wearing a dress that rivaled JLo's Grammy dress that got her so much attention, but only I wasn't using double-sided tape to hold mine up. I'm pretty sure it was just extremely tight. It just isn't a good picture, but whatever. I was young. So, but I did get an opportunity to meet him and I told him how I campaigned for him and he was just gracious to me who, I don't know if one person that I helped to register voted for him, but it was nice. I've always carried that political energy with me, knowing that we all have our own little role to play and that we all can do something to make a difference, whether it's on the tiniest of the localist levels to the world's biggest stages, leaders of the free world, I knew that we all had a role to play and I wanted to do my best to play my part. Don't get me wrong, there were many years and many elections that I kind of ignored. No, I voted, I voted every time, of course. I, I, I'm always gonna go to the polls. But as far as being involved in doing my best to make something happen, there were years where I let other people carry the brunt of that. I felt like, well, we're all good. We're on a good path. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? As I mentioned before, I worked for a company that was really involved in politics, so much so that it allowed me to go to political fundraisers and we even produced two presidential primary debates. As we were planning the presidential primary debates, we had to decide who would do what on the ground once we were at these debates. The first one was held at Howard University, shout out to Howard. The second one was at Morgan State. I was living in Los Angeles at the time. And when we got to Howard University, my role was supposed to be to make sure that Hillary Clinton's team was taken care of that anything that she needed 
she would have. Um, I was the one who was going to make sure that she knew, you know, exactly when to go to the stage, all those things. Everything else had been done, had been planned. We had, you know, we had everyone there. We had secret service. We had all kinds of security. We had volunteers, an incredible number of volunteers. But obviously the things like being with the candidates, we only trusted ourselves to do that. And so we had to decide who was doing what. And all of the girls in the office were fighting over who was going to be with Senator Barack Obama. But for me at the time, I wanted to be with Senator Hillary Clinton. She was a former first lady for goodness sakes. She was part of the Clinton years. I grew up with her. I wanted to be where I had to make sure that she was okay and anything that she needed, I was there for her. And so I assigned myself that role. I'm not even sure which girl from the office ended up being the one to take care of Barack Obama that day. Being Home with Hunker is a podcast where we visit with designers, artists, and creatives in the spaces that express and shape their identities, their homes. If you love design and decor, if you're curious about how people live, or if you've been transitioning or transforming your own home, you'll love these honest conversations. Join us weekly at Being Home with Hunker. Visit hunker.com forward slash podcast where you can find, subscribe, and listen to the show. I, just like Miss Amanda Gorman, shout out to Amanda Gorman, y'all. I met her very briefly over the summer, a sweet young lady. And I remember talking to her about how much when she was my age, she would appreciate looking young. And we had a giggle over that. Similar to Miss Amanda Gorman, I have my own story about America's first couple. When I saw, at the time, Senator Barack Obama walk by with my peripheral vision, I turned and looked to see him. Who wouldn't? And as I turned to look to see him, he stopped and spoke, said, hello, how are you? And I'm pretty sure he extended his hand to shake mine and say, nice to meet you. And he continued his walk. I turned back around to the door that I was standing near, which was Senator Clinton's door. And then I had the bad judgment to turn back around and look at Mr. Barack Obama one last time as he walked away. Not in a checking him out kind of way, not in a, well, let me see how he looks when he walks away kind of way, but it was me taking him in, sizing him up, as someone who was going to be on that stage in the next few minutes, debating, trying to win America's vote for him to be our Democratic candidate. And I turned to size him up. A very tall, beautiful, statuesque woman standing about six feet one in those kitten heels looked at me in a way that I feel like I could probably relate to Sasha and Malia. I think I know what Michelle looks like when she's sizing you up. And she looked at me to try to take me in. And I read her look as, okay, I saw you look back again. And I smiled, the biggest smile that I could possibly give her and said, hello, how are you? And she gave me the look like, I got my eyes on you. Oh, but I'm fine, how are you? And she kept it moving. It was classic. Again, I repeat, 
nothing in my second look was in any way disrespectful to her or her husband. However, she made sure that it would never be disrespectful to her or her husband. And I celebrate her and appreciate her for that. And it probably came from the fact that all of the women were running up and down the hall saying, did you see him? Did you meet him yet? So she probably didn't know where those voices were coming from. It was the thin walls of a very old historic university and made sure that wherever the chatter was coming from, that she was not playing it. It's interesting to me how reluctant some people are to see everyone else as equal, the same having the same experiences, likes and dislikes. It's interesting to me how some people, in order to feel good about themselves, need to try to hold other people down and not lift everyone up. I was so excited when I saw Biden's inauguration. Granted, I was terrified pretty much the whole time. I was even one of the people the night before who thought maybe they should just do this from inside the White House with one camera and have a, a stream with the video. I was terrified the whole time watching it. But it was so amazing and I'm so grateful that I was not the one planning it. And I'm so grateful that they went forward with standing outside in the open, in the sun. Took that line from Scandal, in the sun. Making our country what it should be. Getting us back on track. Not taking anything away from anybody, but trying to make everyone have the same opportunities and be equal. And all the other things that seem to plague black America that other people just don't understand. I'm grateful that our vice president of the United States of America came from a black college, came from a HBCU, came from Howard University, had the whole black college experience. I'm grateful that the argument to say that anything black or that came from the black experience is somehow less than. Seeing the Howard University marching band during the presidential inauguration. Come on, that was historic. I know that some people don't understand why black people, black women, women of color, minority women, Indian women, why everyone was celebrating her so hard. But it's because this is the first time that we see someone that looks like us making decisions for us. This land is your land. This land is my land. I can say from California to the New York Islands, and we should all be represented equally in our land. This land was made for you and me. Hey, if you like the show, please rate and subscribe on iTunes. You can find me at SUZQ90210, SUZQ90210 on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're interested in advertising, reach out to believe at believe.com. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.